Hello and welcome back to Undeveloped Polaroids. It's been a while. How have you been? I hope you've been well. Um, I took a bit of a hiatus just because I had a lot going on in my personal life and my work life, but I am back now. The schedule has changed so that I will be uploading every Sunday once a week. I think twice a week was a bit ambitious, but um, once a week on Sundays, we will have an episode drop. So today's episode is a short story called Hughes of Henry. Next week's episode will be an interview with the author Cara Lissette. Um, You can find her on Instagram and on Twitter. She's absolutely fabulous and was kind enough to give me an interview all about the writing process behind her debut book. But more information on that later and the episode will drop next week. So I'm very excited for that. So for today's episode, like I told you, we'll be reading Hughes of Henry. So let's kick off with that. Henry's insides had turned to clockwork. Other boys in his class started growing patches of hair on their faces and smelt of meat and sweat. Henry's face remained soft and freckled, and he smelt of the cologne his grandpa bought him last summer. He sat in front of his bedroom mirror, his chest wide open. Where his organs should have been sat an intricate set of cogs, gears, and wheels, some silent and spinning, others stationary. He could hear a faint ticking coming from somewhere within himself. His doe eyes glinted, reflecting the streetlight that bounced off the mirror. He brought a small shaky finger towards the gear that sat in place of his lung and let it hover there. Touch it, he thought to himself. Just do it. A teal blue curl fell over Henry's eye. He pushed it away with his free hand. Touch it. Just do it. Touch it. He touched it. He screamed and slammed both sides of his chest shut, which made him scream again. Henry? His mother's voice carried up the stairs. Are you okay? I'm fine, he called back, rubbing his chest down the middle. I stubbed my toe, that's all. Henry had noticed these changes start a few months ago. Brighton's Green Ivy Academy stood plastered with amateur posters announcing auditions for the autumn term's production of Mice and Men. Henry searched for the story among the wall of books in his mother's study and fell in love with it. After reading the book, he read it again. Then he called his best friend Jermaine and asked him to read it too. I ain't reading a book, said Jermaine, his voice rising on the other end of the line. I haven't read a book since year three. But it's short, and it's about two men, George and Lerny. We're two men. We could both audition and be the main characters, pleaded Henry, eager for their late night rehearsals and the time they'd spend together. He waited while Jermaine considered this. Does it have a movie? Yes declared Henry, completely unsure. There should be. It deserved a movie. Fine, I'll watch it online and get back to you. Across the week, Henry had rehearsed the role of George with his grandpa, who read for Lenny. He performed it with a deep voice and a low brow, so much so that the muscles in his forehead ached. Is Jermaine auditioning with you? asked his mother, taking a seat on the sofa beside grandpa and smoothing down her floral skirt. Chicken roasted away in the oven and Henry had almost finished going through one of his favourite scenes. Now why'd you go and disturb us for? tattered Grandpa, putting the book down and turning slowly to look at her. He was about to shoot Lenny. Henry pushed his teal curls out of his eyes and relaxed his eyebrows. Rehearsal was done for the day. Jermaine? Yeah, he is. Is he also auditioning for George? 
she asked, readjusting the hair clip that held her own curls in place. Henry folded his arms and studied the patterns on the carpet. Yeah, but he's also auditioning for Lenny, so we'll see. He met her gaze and she rested her chin in her hand. He knew what she wanted to say. He glanced at the door. He could still escape and not hear it. Don't you think you should also audition for Lenny? I think it would suit you more. Henry crossed his arms tighter. But I want to be George. But Lenny's great too, and I just think Jermaine is more suited to George, you know? He has that rough look about him and you're so soft, baby. Henry felt something painful stir in his chest and stared at the floral prints of her skirt. You don't think I can do it? Enough of that. He can audition for whoever he wants to audition for, announced Grandpa, snapping the book shut, then coughing into his shirt sleeve. We'll have dinner and then we'll rehearse the scene again. Henry flipped back through the script while he waited for his turn to audition. Jermaine had been called before him and his performance generously applauded. This gave Henry hope. He'd rehearsed with Jermaine and believed his own George was better. From where he stood, Henry could not see the auditions, but he could hear them. He heard a handful of students being booed off. One student rapped his audition and another hiccuped her way through it. His fingers tingled and his stomach growled. The auditions took place during lunchtime and Henry hadn't eaten yet. Class K, Henry. Henry dropped his script. He picked it up and tripped over his feet. I'm coming, idiot. He climbed up the stage steps and realized he really needed to pee. The spotlight hit him and he felt his breakfast claw its way back up. He walked to the center stage, his shoes squeaking the entire time. Dotted in the seats were students who had already auditioned and hung around to watch the competition. He found Jermaine in the crowd and forgot about needing the bathroom. Jermaine waved. Henry's fingers tingled. Older students from Class J occupied a row towards the front. They were in charge of the production. A skinny teenager with a pierced upper lip held a clipboard and sat in the middle and eyed him up and down. Henry crossed his arms. Okay, Henry, what part are you auditioning for? The pierced kid asked, resting his feet on the chair in front of him. Henry uncrossed his arms, not wanting to look defensive. Uh, George, please. Idiot, he thought to himself. Just George. George, I'm auditioning for George. They heard you the first time. George? Pierced kid crossed one leg over the other. You're not auditioning for George. Henry hesitated. Had they already cast the role? Yeah, I am. No, you're not. George is a man. He can't be played by a blue-haired pufter. He uncrossed his legs, spread them wide apart, and leaned forward. A few students sniggered. Henry heard laughter ringing from even the empty seats. But I've learnt the lines, he said, feeling his face getting hot. Why don't you read for Carly's wife? Dior, stop, you're too much, laughed a girl from Class J. Henry took a few steps back and saw the seats and students blur into each other. He found Jermaine in the crowd but couldn't make out his expression. Thank you, he said to the room and ran off stage before anyone could see him crying. Henry spent the evening in his room. He threw up dinner and found, for the first time, screws and cogs among the undigested bits of macaroni and broccoli. Henry had received an F on a piece of coursework on the conflict between North and South Korea. He'd lent his essay to help a student who'd missed class to get her tonsils taken out. She didn't have time to change anything other than his name and as a result they both failed. They also received detentions. Jermaine laughed himself silly when he found out. Miss, can I do detention next week? 
pleaded Henry, calls bouncing around his ears. Please. Tanya's doing it next week. I don't want you both in the same room, she responded, stacking her folders on top of each other. Class had ended and Henry was to stay behind for an hour. Let's go, be in Mr. Hubbard's classroom. But my grandpa's in hospital. I have to see him tonight, miss. Please, I have to. Henry tugged on her sleeve. Enough of that, Henry. You're acting like a child. Finish the exercises Mr. Hubbard gives you and you can leave early. She stopped by the door, waiting for him to open it. Yes, thanks, miss. He flew out the door without looking back. Henry's grandpa had been admitted into hospital a few days earlier. They said it was because his lungs were failing, but really he was just becoming vintage and his parts were worn out. Henry and his mother visited every day and his grandpa told him stories to keep him entertained. Henry fell in love with these stories and the chocolate milkshake his grandpa hid from the nurses to give to him. Tonight was the final installment of the Silverbeard trilogy and Henry wanted to know where the Silverbeard made it home. Henry threw the door to Mr. Hubbard's class open, darted in and slammed into a table. He recognised the older boy with the piercings slouched in the middle of the room. Take a seat, please, instructed Mr. Hubbard, placing the whiteboard pen behind his ear. Carly's wife, nice to see you again, grinned Dior as Henry passed, rubbing where his thigh had hit the desk. Quite, Dior. Henry, sit down. Mr. Hubbard manoeuvred himself in front of his desk and wiped his hands on his checkered green shirt. The questions are on the board. Tear sheets out of your notebooks if you need to. Drop them on my desk when you're done. Henry took a seat at the back of the class. His eyes scanned the board. Simultaneous equations. He was good at those. Heck, he loved those. He whipped his notebook out and got to work. Twenty minutes later and he had completed all thirty questions. Mr. Hubbard gave himself a bathroom break while Henry completed question twenty-nine. Henry watched the clock above the whiteboard and chewed on his lip, waiting for him to return so he could leave. You can just leave, he told himself. Drop your work on his desk and go. Henry glanced at the door. Nothing. If he catches you or you get into trouble later, just say you didn't know it's fine. Henry scraped his chair back and looked at the door. Still nothing. He met Dior's stare and looked away. He seemed angry. Time to leave. He tore the two pages of answers from his notebook and got up to lay them on Mr. Hubbard's desk. As he passed Dior's table, he couldn't help but glance down at his paper. Dior had crossed out and rewritten his workings out for question seven multiple times. Henry hesitated. What are you looking at? Snapped Dior, covering his paper with his arms. Nothing, said Henry, putting his head down and shuffling away. Yeah, that's right, jog off, snarled Dior, punching his desk. Henry stopped again. Just leave, he begged himself. Carry the three, he said, not turning around. What? You keep forgetting to carry the three, so you keep getting the wrong answer for why and it won't substitute. The explanation was knocked out of Henry as Dior's hand shoved him to the ground. You think I'm dumb? I'm not dumb, I know how to carry the fucking three, said Dior, stepping over Henry and placing both feet on either side of his body. Henry remained on his stomach. It, it felt safer than turning around and looking Dior in the face. He did not feel the physical pain of the fall and wondered if it would hit him later. What's this? Henry looked up to find Mr. Hubbard filling the doorframe. Shit. An extra hour, both of you. Take your seats and for God's sake, Dior, pull your trousers up. Henry didn't make it to the hospital. Silverbeard never returned home. Thursday afternoon and Henry sat with Jermaine on the pebbles at Brighton Beach. The sun setting set the sky ablaze with hues of oranges and pinks, while the sea made a slack effort at mounting the shore. They chose to sit away from the pier and people and had themselves their own little pieces of beach. Jermaine caught the view on his phone. 
Once, Henry believed he had fallen in love with Germaine. Now Henry watched the sea and wondered whether he would sink since his insides were metal. Two months had passed since his grandpa's death. Henry accepted the transition into a clockwork being. It meant he felt heavy and weighed down all the time. It meant he couldn't taste his mother's cooking, but ate to keep the gears moving. He couldn't enjoy books, but read what was required. He couldn't be around people, but stimulated himself counting the cracks in his bedroom ceiling. I need to get going soon, I have rehearsals. Henry turned from watching the man waving in the sea to look at Jermaine. New buzz cut shades and stubble. Henry only saw him if they shared morning registration together. You're doing okay, right? You're okay. I'm fine. Henry looked back out at the sea towards the waving man. I thought so, said Jermaine, sounding relieved. These things happen, man, it sucks, but you've been doing good, I can tell. Still get top grades and shit. Henry continued watching the man, letting the water carry him further away from the shore. He felt Jermaine stand up. Come on, said Jermaine, stretching his back. I'll walk you to the bus stop, then head off. They walked up the beach and along the main road. Henry allowed himself to fall slightly out of step with Jermaine. He thought back to the waving man and felt a prickling on the back of his neck. Henry stopped walking. What is it? asked Jermaine, checking the time on his phone. Our side of the beach was empty. Yeah, I know. He wasn't waving. The end. That was Hughes of Henry. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I quite, I don't know. I really love Henry. I think he's so sweet. And he originated from before I did uni. Um, I wrote like a full novel and I didn't know anything about creative writing. So it was absolutely rubbish. But it was a fantasy novel and one of the characters was called Henry and he was a clockwork being who was made out of clockwork. Um, and then I just never touched that novel again once I started uni and studied creative writing because I realized how awful it was. But then I think during my third year or during my master's, we had to write a short story. So I decided to write Henry's backstory and his transition into a clockwork being. In case you couldn't tell, it was a metaphor for his depression. So quite sad there. But I just, I think he's really sweet and he's one of my favorite characters that I've written. Thank you so much for listening. Next Sunday's episode will be the interview with Cara Lissette. So just a bit of background about Cara. So she's an eating disorder campaigner and blogger. Um, and you can follow her on Twitter at Cara Lissette. That's spelled C-A-R-A-L-I-S-E-T-T-E. She's also on Instagram. Um, and she created a book called The Eating Disorder Recovery Journal. It's on Amazon, available to pre-order. Super interesting. Take a look, just so you've got some background knowledge for next week. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear the interview because she was so lovely to speak to, so insightful, gave all her tips and tricks. And I think it's just interesting to hear from someone who's been published and how she became published. So I will let you go. Have a fabulous week and we will speak again next week with the interview. Take care. Bye.